Welcome to the Faithful Dads Podcast, a conversation between three new dads thinking through how we can do a faithful job of parenting these little people God has entrusted to us. Okay, so last week we started off with um, a Would You Rather. Okay. So this week I'm going to ask you, what is your favourite beverage and why? I'm happy to start us off. I've got a few favourite beverages. I drink a lot of fizzy water. Enjoy fizzy water. I don't drink, very rarely drink still water. I bought a soda stream. And um, yeah, so I love fizzy water. I drink a lot of coffee, cafe, espresso, coffee. That's pretty good. I also like solo and tea. Jared. Uh, I also like tea. It's like the highlight of my day getting home and having a cup of tea. It's That's not it. It's definitely seeing my wife and baby. Anyway, um, I also I drink a lot of water, and it sounds a bit silly, but I love water. So, getting my daily fluid. And I also like solo, but I'm a big fan of a bit of Passiona. Give me some Kirk's Passiona any day. Childhood. Yeah. Is that what it reminds you of? Yeah, like parties. Mm. Yeah. Especially, like, I wasn't allowed to drink Coke growing up. Really? Yeah. So. Is that why you can't grow a beard? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Guess you didn't drink Coke either. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Too poor. <laughs> What's this black water? <laughs> Throw it away, son. Does that mean I was, like, suckled on Coke? Because you got a hairy back. And a clean face. Let <laughs> <laughs> the record show Chris has no facial hair and long hair. Josh. <laughs> There's a drink you can get from the Gym Junkie shop, which I like in the morning, and then a coffee at lunchtime. That's about, that's about it. What's a Gym Junkie drink called? Oxy Shred. Oh, shredded, bro. Well, actually, this brings me to my next point. Um, so, what does Beyonce, Cameron Diaz, Michelangelo, Picasso all have in common? They don't have an exclusive invite to Josh's House of Muscle. <laughs> I'm starting a gym. <laughs> you guys are welcome. <laughs> Anytime you want, come down to Josh's House of Muscle. Free advice. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. But I haven't stopped me in the past. I ain't gonna stop me now. So when you say house of muscle, do you mean <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean it's gonna be at your house? Or are you renting out some space in Green Hills? Yeah, well, one project <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So just going to have some... So much. I've just been getting like a lot of gym equipment quite cheap off of Gumtree. Cool. Off of where? No brand names. Ah. Eucalyptus. (laughs) (laughs) Off Koala House. (laughs) (laughs) Off two in my backyard. But, yeah. I've tried to invite so many people. I've said to my mum I can absolutely cure her chronic fatigue with a membership. (laughs) My dad said he has quite short legs and a long torso. I said I could cure that too with a membership. How much is a membership? Money's not the point. <laughs> if you have to ask, you probably can't afford it. <laughs> I'm talking three zeros a month. 
Three ninety nine. That's a Yeezy reference. <laughs> yeah, because these girls go to the gym and they're like, "Girl, how much is that?" She like, "You know, you gotta pay for around me. It's three ninety nine." Oh, that made it to the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we discussing tonight? Paul Chip's parenting book, chapter six. Quite good. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Let the record show, Josh is very proud of himself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. That's excellent. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. So, what Josh said, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the book is broken up into... The book is broken up into about... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness me. The book is broken up into 14 chapters. We looked at number six, which is process. And each of the chapters have a principle behind it. The principle of this chapter is you must be committed as a parent to long view parenting because change is a process and not an event. I think um, long term or long view parenting. Mm. What is long view parenting? So I Googled this and I read a few websites that came up with it. One was about parenting or separating. One talks about two main modes that we exist, and the main modes are strive and thrive. And the third one was a blog post about a mother being frustrated at her teen, but realising that her teen had actually come a long way. So they all had different sort of viewpoints or takes on long view parenting. But I generally got the gist that it's thinking about the long game and not the short game of parenting. So what were your what are your initial thoughts on um, this chapter? Well, um, I thought it was a like especially having read the book previously and then going back and rereading this chapter, it shows me how easily I can slip out of the long term view of parenting. Um, you know, living and parenting day by day, and you know, for those kind of things, but. Like, it's such a refreshing sort of view to know that you don't need to see any immediate wins and um, have any immediate change come about from one conversation or one, you know, moment of discipline with your children, that it is a a long-term process that you're working towards with your kids. Um at the same time and in the same way like it's it's the same way that we grow as as humans like it's a process and we um we need to work through that to get somewhere and i thought that was yeah encouraging nice joshua do you notice that you always talk about children and if you're a child like in every scenario you always like for the record, you have one kid. Right? I do have one kid. <laughs> I think. No, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's fine. It's just it puts me off every time. I'm like, oh. I just don't. I I don't want to alienate any of our listeners with multiple cheering, cheering <laughs> with multiple children. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was good. Just like. 
plugging away at the mundane for like that long term look back and say, oh, radio, like, there's the payoff. Mm. Mm. Yeah, nice. Um, I found this really helpful to feel less concerned with issues of behavior that come up and be able to enjoy being a dad all the more. Um, I love I love being a dad, and I think reflecting upon being a dad this last sort of week, just going, I really, I really, I really enjoy it, and I really think that some of the mentalities that this chapter talks about have really contributed to that. Can I add quickly, just because I've just thought of it? Um, I've got a <laughs> Android phone uh, with Google Photos on it, and I take a lot of photos of my baby daughter. <laughs> because I love her. Yeah, and 2,000 photos on Saturday. I didn't take 2,000 photos. There was a lot of a certain hell. I bet there was. <laughs> um, I, yeah, bet there was. I'll, I'll stop taking photos of Hallie when she stopped being so cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Google Photos uh, occasionally sends me a notification on my phone and it's, you know, something like after I've taken, you know, a few photos of Hallie and it might be, here's a collage we've made for you, like check it out. Or here's a animation. And they're really cool because you get to see like Hallie doing all these like funny things. But the other day it said, um, have a look at this, you know, before and after shot. And it showed me a photo of Hallie like two weeks old next to eight months old. And I was like, Blown away that A, it picked up that this was the same person, but at the same time, I was like, man, that is such a different baby. And it got me thinking about, like, how much she's changed even in, you know, seven and a half weeks, uh, seven and a half months, but, like, how much change we're already seeing in her, how much personality she's developed. And so I can only imagine, mm. you know. The compounding difference yeah. over 18 years. Yeah. Yeah, so there's some process for you. Mm, definitely. So Bible verses that um, are surrounding this. So I've just I've just taken <coughs> the Bible verses that Paul Tripp mm. mentions in the passage. Did you have some thoughts on that, Jared? Yeah, so uh, it got me thinking about, you know, what, like, I mean, I feel like for me, the thing that uh, Paul Tripp kind of highlights in the book, uh, in the chapter process, is like that growth that you see both in your child and in yourself and how that's a, that's a process. It's not instantaneous. And so it got me thinking about, you know, what sort of, you know, Bible verses around growth are there. And one thing I noticed uh, particularly that a lot of the um, – like the parables and stories that Jesus use that Jesus uses in the gospels is uh, are based around uh, like farming and sowing and um, you know like agriculture and, and all those kind of things and uh, like I was thinking about the fact that when you look at like our society now, um, everything is is designed to be quick, whether it's fast food, you know, streaming, Netflix, 
um, you know, diets, like all those things are, are for instant results and, you know, instant gratification. But all of these parables, like in, like the parable of the sower and parable of the mustard seed in Matthew 13, um, the reaping of souls is a harvest in Matthew 9 and John 4, um, and even the way his disciples use the term uh, spiritual fruit, it's all referring to, you know, these things that grow. And I think, you know, we're a bit more removed from it. Like there's not many people who are growing our own food, but that's such a, that's such a long process. It's not instant results. Um, and it's, a it's something that you really have to work for. Um, and you can go a long time without, you know, getting anything. I was talking to a, a woman today and she was showing me photos of her garden and she has plants there and for the first time in three years since she's planted them, they've finally blossomed. And I'm like, that's a long time to commit to watering a plant. Like, I feel like if I went three years and I didn't see any flowers, I'd be like, all right, start again. <laughs> Can't do that with a kid. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, there's a few around that. Um, and I think even, uh, so the, the website desiringgod.org, um, there was an article there from John Bloom and he said, Christians are slow grown and fruit bearing typically comes after an arduous time of maturation. And so I think that's, um, yeah, that's what I sort of found when I was looking for Bible verses. Yeah, nice. So the ones that Paul Tripp uses in his book, um, uh, Galatians 5, 22 to 23, yeah, the fruits of the spirit. Um, and these are things that he says that they don't come naturally to mm-hmm. us. And this is what it takes to be a faithful parent, doing things or showing traits that don't come naturally to us. John 16, 12 to 15, um, leaving his work. So God's leaving his work on, to an unfinished people, being blind to sin. There's a whole list on page 88 of where... You can find that in the Bible, um, being blind to sin. Uh, 1 Timothy 16 uh, is Paul talking about how patient Jesus is with us. Just like um, we need to be so patient with our with our kids. So, did anything particularly stick out for you in there for this in this chapter? Well, I think that that chapter was good for people who aren't. Like, I'm not saying there wasn't stuff to learn in there. I listened to it twice, but, like, I'm quite a long-sighted person anyway whose shortfall is the immediate. And so I think for me it was sort of a bit like, well, yeah, isn't that just how you parent? Oh, yeah, nice. Like, that sort of, I was just like, well, yeah, obviously, like, it's going to be tough and crap always, but you always look back fondly. It's mm. like a holiday. Holidays are never actually fun. <laughs> But you're always like, yeah, remember that time we that thing? Oh, yeah, we did that fun thing. And that's what you remember. Did you just say holidays are never fun? Not really. I love holidays. Right, I must be doing them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we should go on holidays together. We have been on a... Yeah. That was fun. I'd like... Oh. Shut up. We no, know. <laughs> it's about when I fell down the steps after the rum. Broke me... Oh, I thought I broke my ankle. <laughs> Oh, Nora? Yeah. Is that what you were talking about? I wasn't. Oh. We went camping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we played Who Would You Marry If Your Wife Wasn't In The Picture the whole time. <laughs> that was not my game. 
I came away and I told Sam, I was like, Chris just wanted to play Who Would You Marry if you couldn't marry your wife the whole time. It's an interesting memory you have, Josh. <laughs> that is all I remember from that weekend and getting super lost. I remember getting super lost. We ended up in that farmer's paddock. See, it's fun to think back <laughs> on these things, but at the time, I, cra- I wrecked my car and we were like in the middle of nowhere. Do you, have you never heard this? I've never heard this. <laughs> Chris and I went camping once, and then he's like, I really don't like camping, but I just thought it would be like good if I went with you. Once again, interesting. interesting <laughs> uh, go on. I think something that I, that I sort of, <laughs> I think something that I fall into is that short term, like Hugo has explicitly just done something I've asked him not to. That makes me mad. And the thing I want to do is, is, punish him because he's done the wrong thing but thinking of it as a long-term thing and I think the biggest thing is that I sort of took away from this chapter is thinking of parenting in the long term but thinking of those situations as an opportunity so when he stuffs up when he does disobey me explicitly rather than getting annoyed and frustrated about it I look at it and go yes Another opportunity to help my kid, you know, become more like Jesus or to to mm. help him off the path to sin, you know, that sort of mm-hmm. thing, and think that, great, another opportunity, awesome, another opportunity, and have that mentality shift, even though that seems counterintuitive. But that has really helped me in that time because if I didn't have that mentality, I think I would just be getting frustrated and then frustrated and, and mm. just then deal with it poorly eventually. And, you know, I still will do that, mm. I think, but it's that's really helped me, I think. I also think that um, it, was, it mentioned us being more like our children than unlike our children. Mm. So in the way that they're behaving and the decisions that they're making, we are more like that than unlike that. And to think, well, I, you know, I need I need correcting and I need rebuking and I need help or guidance to to a, a better path or the you know the right path. So does my son. Sort of on that same sort of same sort of journey. Is this one where he talks about being blind? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I thought that was clever. Yeah, so do mm. I. And we are, we are blind to our blindness. Mm. Mm. I made I did make a note of that one. And I I really liked that. Um, like our children we do the same wrong things over and over again because we are not only blind, but we are blind to our blindness. We, ne- we need compassionate, patient care if we're ever going to change, just like our children. And that's our role to show them compassionate, patient care. Hmm. Um, yeah, and of course our kids are blind to what they're doing and they're not aware of their sin or consciously making the wrong decision necessarily. So um, that's why it's, yeah, an opportunity to help them see that. One of the other really good points I liked was the thing that gets in the way of parenting is one, there's one thing that gets in the way of parenting and that is the character of the parent. But just, just, I don't know, really, I think that really makes you think because you think, well, yeah, one thing gets in, okay, what is it? What's that one thing that gets in the way of parenting? I can do that. If I can nail that, then everything will be fine. What is it? Oh, it's the character of who I am. Just really uh, turns it back in on yourself. 
what sort of person am I? What are the decisions that I'm making? Why am I making those decisions? I don't know. It's a bit of potentially a scary question, I think. Mm. think you know, go down that rabbit hole and because you know, because we are blind to our blindness and having other people, especially I think for me, it's my wife shining the light on that stuff. I hate it when she does that. I hate it when she's like, "Oh, have you thought about this?" And actually, the way that you're doing that, I hate it because I'm prideful mm. and. I think I'm better than her, which is wrong. Um, but it's it's a wonderful thing to have. And after I get over myself, I can then be thankful that she does that and thankful that I have someone like that in my life who's, mm-hmm. like, helping me with that to become a better person and a better parent. Yeah, I like um, the way he talks about uh, the way that God patiently parents us um i think that's a really cool thing that he that i sort of took away from it like um you know as you said like we're just as blind and more like our our kids than unlike them um and so thinking about how often you know parenting might frustrate us you know how how often does god choose instead to shower us with mercy and grace um, and the, the fact that he uses that to make us better parents like there is a there is that you know patient um, growth that he he works on us so that we're that we are better parents um, and I think there's a really good verse in second Peter chapter 3 verse 9 it says the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises some count slowness but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And, like, that's such a cool idea that, like, God is just constantly, patiently working away, like, oftentimes, you know, in ways that we can't see, so that we can be better parents, um, so that we can show our kids the same grace that he showers us with. And I really like... um, the way that he says, uh, growing us so that we're progressively more often part of what he wants to do in your children and less often in the way of it. Mm-hmm. Like, such a, you know, an eye-opening way to think about it. How often am I in the way of the growth of my my daughter because of my blindness and my, my pride and my sin? And how often is God working to fix that and help me be more a part of the growth of my daughter. Another quote that I like from the book is, um, a misunderstanding of what you've been called to as a parent will always set up unrealistic expectations of your children and frustrations as a parent that will tempt you to do and say things that you shouldn't do or say. So a misunderstanding of what you've been called to as a parent. So I would like your thoughts. What is it that I've been called to as a parent? What is it that you've been called to as a parent? Well, I mean, if you take it back to the Bible, you can just say, well, as a parent, our main role is to love and care and shine the light of Christ. Mm -hmm. Is that sort of like the end? Do you know what I mean, though? Like, is that a Sunday school answer? Or is that, like, is that a Sunday school answer for parenting? 
Not that you should be attending Sunday school as a parent. <laughs> I think more parents should attend Sunday school. I meant like a teen pregnancy. All right. <laughs> or a preteen. But like, like, is that it? Or is there more to it? Good question. I like the way Paul Tripp uh, says that like our role is ambassadors of God to our children. Um, you know, we're, we're called to show them the love, the grace, the mercy of God through the way we parent them. And I think if we, if we go in with that view that we're, we're meant to be showing our kids God and how good he is and, you know, <clears throat> working for God, then we're not putting other things as, you know, gods in our life. And so if we set up our kids as our, our idols or, you know, work, things like that, <clears throat> I think that's where you can have that, you know, misunderstanding of what we've been called to. And, you know, when you, your kid doesn't make the soccer grand finals and you yell at him because, you know, he missed the last goal, like, I, I feel like, you know, that's not showing them that love that that God, you know, pours out on us when we make mistakes. That's that's setting up, you know, these expectations for your kids and when they don't, you know, live up to them, you yell at them and, yeah, and I think, you know, for me that's that's what it is. I, I want to be a parent that helps my daughter to know God better. And, I mean, obviously it's going to be God who who calls her to know him, but I want to be a force in her life. As Paul Tripp said, you know, I want God to use me in what he's... Let me get the verse, actually. The, <laughs> the verse? The verse, the, <laughs> the phrase. Lord um, Paul Tripp. <clears throat> Saint Paul Tripp. <laughs> I think the biggest thing is that we're not called to save our kids. Praise the Lord for that, because, oh, oh my goodness, that would be yeah. so stressful. Yeah. Like... I think what we're all getting at is that we can only shine the light of Christ mm. and we just do our absolute best, in your heart, 100%, and just pray God uses it faithfully mm. for his good works. Sorry. I was just going to say, as Paul Tripp says, I I want God to use me more for what he wants to do in my, my kids than me being in the way of it. I was thinking today about Hugo and about how when I get home, he's like, Dad! You know, sometimes I get a hug, sometimes I don't. It depends on if, what he's busy with or whatever. And just how much I feel like he loves and wants me and, you know, thinks that I'm the best. And then thinking as he grows up, you know, kids get to a point where they're like, my dad's the best, blah, 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 blah. But they get to a point, generally speaking, I reckon, he'll, he'll get to a point where he's like, too cool or you know doesn't want to be openly affectionate or is like oh dad said my dad is the worst to then i imagine as he gets even older being like hopefully thinking that his dad is the best again mm. and i think when it gets to that point of him being like oh dad oh the worst or whether if i have a daughter in the future she's you know the same thinking my dad's the best to my dad is seriously the worst and i hate him so much mum's the best, or whatever, you know, whatever mm. sort of emotions they go through. 
how then I'm going to then deal with that mm-hmm. <laughs> and how I think I'm going to have to try really hard not to take it personally. Because if I start taking it personally, then I think that's when I might do or say things that mm. could potentially be detrimental detrimental for a relationship like that. It's hard not to, though. Not to what? Like, your entire life changes. Like, everything you do revolves around, like, a little person. And I, I didn't realise that my parents had given up so much until I had a kid and I was like, yeah, this is why Dad was cranky. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you think, oh, when I'm a dad, I'll, I will never be like this. And then, like, you be dad and you're like, yeah, my dad was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he had a damn bad. <laughs> That's good perspective. Hmm. Because, like, Hugo won't see it until he has kids. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. in the same way, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't see it till I had a kid, so I was 28 or something. Or seven. <laughs> yeah, I was 27. And so, like, Hugo might be 27 by the time he goes, Hey, Dad. That was really cool, like, what you did back there. Yeah. Like, it's the, it's the mm. long game. Yeah. Like, who else, like, apart from buying a house, who else is looking for, like, a 27-year possible return (laughs) on investment? Mm. I I think I see that with my parents and how they parented me because I was a a jerk, especially to my mum. And just looking back and just going, looking back and seeing how constantly my mum loved me Mm. but how much up and down I was and, and but she still did it, sacrificed said the hard things, had the hard conversations still. I just look back and go, oh, wow, what an amazing woman. Seriously. Mm. Even even doing this podcast has really got me thinking about my dad and what sort of dad that he was. And I've been really not wrestling with it in a bad way, just like I can't quite put my finger on like – my dad and how he fathered me and because I <clears throat> sort of mean I can't sort of articulate what I'm trying mm. to say either I know I know he was a good dad but he definitely didn't father me like I envisaged that I'll father my kids so he did it completely differently to what I have in my head mm. as what I'll be as a, as a father so then I then jumped to the conclusion that he mustn't have done it right but then I'm like but I know he did it right. So it's just he just did it a completely hmm. different way. And I'm just trying to think, okay, so why is it that I know that he was a good father? Like I don't know I don't know I'm still processing as to why I know that. Anyway, I said I, I asked him that the other day. I said, What do you do you think you're a good father? And he's like, I think I did pretty well. I'm like, cool. So can you tell me tell me about that? Why do you think you're a good dad? Have a conversation about that? You know, I think it's a part of an ongoing conversation. It's really got me thinking. Which mm. is, but, like, how do you define what it looks like to be the perfect father? And I think if, Jesus. You're, if you're judging what makes you God of what it looks like to be the perfect father. Yeah. Like, and so, so, like, there's a million ways to skin a cat. Like, as long as you get the flesh off and hanging, like, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's that's sort of a realisation that I'm having is that mm. just because my dad didn't father me in the way that I think a father should be, when I say that I mean 
in the way that I envisage fathering. Yeah, I am coming to that realization that just because he didn't do that doesn't mean that. Well, just mean? It, it doesn't mean it's wrong. It's no, just, exactly. It's just different to what you think. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I think, like, I think a better way would be, like, is the proof in the pudding? Yeah. And that's, that's why I was able to come to that conclusion. It's like, you and your siblings are pretty, like, yeah. steady eddies. Yeah. Like, you are all good, I think. Yeah. I think, like... Thanks, Josh. Surely that's a mm. win. Yeah, and that's that's why I think I was able to come to that conclusion yeah. that Dad mm. must have done a good job, and that's when I was able to analyse, well, what I've got in my head is not right, I need to realign all that. Yeah, but I think... I think the one thing that I have definitely taken away from my dad, and I asked, you know, when I asked him about, he said, being patient with your children. Mm. And I think I've really, that's, that really obviously stuck out to me because I feel like there are times when I've been able to show really good patience in my interactions with my child and other children as well. Mm. Definitely mm. get from my dad, which is great. Every now and again, you got to do a show of force. Yep, just so they know. Just keep them in line. Yep. Just frighten them. My dad threw a plane over a house once. Like a, a timber plane. <laughs> I was like, man, strong. He's been going to the house of muscle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, like, so for me, not having grown up in a, you know, a Christian household, like... The way I plan to parent my child and all possible future children is different, if not only for the fact that, like, I'll be doing it from you know the you know the grounds of my faith, um, and yeah, like conversations we've had, you know, it's made me think about the way, like Chris, as you said, like, I mean, I. If, if my parents ever listen to this podcast, I am sorry to both of you for the amount of times that I was a proud, selfish, obnoxious little brat because, yeah, the amount of love that they poured out on me over the little things, like the amount of things that they gave up and, and things that they did for me when I definitely didn't deserve it, like it's... I'm, you know, I'm just as thankful that I have parents who love me that much now as they did then. So, such a good example. Such a good example. It's sad that people out there don't get the parenting that we had. Mm. Like, like even at our parents' worst, it's still got to be better than like half the class I went to school with. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. For the fact that they were both there, yeah, and that they're both steady eddies, like, yeah, like non-churchy, yeah, we had churchy parents growing up, like, like yeah, I think like on the parenting, oh yeah, you know, race, I think it really puts us a long way ahead having mm. that example. Yeah, that's a good point, and it being mm. practiced on for so mm. long, definitely. I just know I'd be a lot better if Paul Tripp wasn't my dad. <laughs> Still wouldn't read his book. <laughs> I listened to it twice and I was like, oh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs>
But then I listened to something about the long tail, this statistics book for seven hours today, and I couldn't get enough of it. So, go figure. <laughs> go figure. <laughs> so, so working in a school in, in a lower socioeconomic area, there are a lot of broken families, and I have the privilege of being able to deal with that. But it does just really, it just breaks my heart. Breaks my heart to think that these kids are living mm. in these families and the stuff that they tell you or you know about their families and as Josh was saying, you know, that we are so privileged to have grown up in the mm. families that we have and even just with Hugo, just knowing how much, you know, me and Jen love Hugo and how much other people love him and, mm. oh, it just, yeah, it really, it genuinely breaks my heart that there are kids who I can see at school are just just lovely kids. They just have a whole lot of rubbish in their lives that no kid should have. Mm. Yeah. So the last quote that I would like to make about this chapter, um, Paul Tripp says, God puts an uncompromising standard before us. Then he sends his son to perfectly meet that standard mm. on our behalf so that we can be free to admit our failures and go to God for help. What a weight off my mm. shoulders. Like all the stuff that we've talked about and our failings and shortcomings and all of that sort of stuff. God knows about that. Yeah. He set a perfect standard before us, so he knows we're not going to meet that. So he goes, okay, I'm going to send my son to bridge mm. that gap so that that standard does get met, so that you, as a human, can admit your fail failures and go to God for help. So good. So good. Um, so, how would you read us digest our conversation? Oh. Are you the perfect parent? Find out no. ten ways. <laughs> <laughs> and here's why. If you think you're the perfect parent, you're wrong. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Maybe just in a Genesis 3 world, I don't think we can assume that the hardest, most laborious thing you could ever do is going to be easy. Like, I think just expect trials. Yeah, good. Mm. I think two points that I would summarise the chapter in, I suppose, is you are more like than unlike your child. And misbehaviour is an opportunity for you to help your child. Yeah, I think I, I think I've said it before. Like Paul Tripp says, don't ever resent your child for needing to be parented. Like that's what you've been called to do. Like that is our our role. So you know, go in there with patience and grace, and with mercy and love, even when you don't want to, and when you stuff up go back with patience and mercy and grace and, you know, with that mindset that you are blind to your shortcomings just as much as your child is blind to their shortcomings. You you won't ever have a conversation with your, your child and say, you need to stop hitting your sister because it's not nice to her and them going, you're right, Dad, that is not nice of me. I guess I'm just a selfish, sinful person and it's my own rage that I'm taking out on her and I really regret it. I'm going to go apologise to her and try and serve her and love her the best that I can. Thank you, Dad, for being such a good parent to me. Your kid's going to go, but she took my toy. 
go, t- you know, yell at her. You know, they're, they're not going to see that long view of why you're having these conversations. And so we need to have those conversations constantly because I can guarantee it won't be the last time. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, you know, what a privilege that God entrusts us with our children, mm. you know, that we get to be God's ambassadors to them and try and, you know, show the love of God to them. Yeah. Yeah, nice. It's a long way to digest article. Yeah, you? that's... Um, any parting thoughts so I'm I need to I think read the rest of this book Um, and I look forward to it because this chapter I really you know like I said I've taken a lot away from this I also look forward to Hugo and potentially future kids um, growing up and using the things of this book and applying it in different ways as that happens as in, you know, the way that I'm disciplining him, Hugo, now and the things that I'm disciplining him for are going to change for when he's five, are going to change mm-hmm. again for when he's ten. And I think this sort of chapter will help me bring it back mm-hmm. to actually what's it really all about, you know, that sort of that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I think I look forward to that. It is a good read. And spoilers, I really like his last sentence in the book. I, th- I really found it very powerful and encouraging and, yeah, it's just a really good end to the book. So there's a little incentive for you. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to reread it for the third oh. time and find out. Are you talking about the last sentence of that chapter or the whole book? The whole book. Let's go to the end then. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Faithful Dads. Hit up our Instagram or Facebook, at Faithful Dads, to give us your thoughts on our conversation. We would genuinely love to hear from you. We would also love it if you shared this podcast with someone you know and leave us a rating and review in your podcast app so others have a better chance of finding it. See you next episode. We are three dads who are doing the podcast. We are three dads who are trying to be faithful, yeah. Yeah, because these girls are at the gym and they're like, Girl, how much is it? She's like, you know you're going to pay for around me. It's three ninety nine. Oh, that made it to the end of the podcast. That <laughs> <laughs> Jesus use. That Jesus uses. As, as God said. Well, as Paul Tripp said. Let me do that again. Like, as long as you get the flesh off and hang in. Like, even, even, like, you know, just... This isn't a podcast called Lies. Two Guys and a Liar. <laughs> you are more, you are more, yeah. Jared... <laughs>